Welcome to Honey and the Hex. We're a sibling duo exploring the origins, traditions and intersections of folklore and where they lie today. We've always been drawn to witchcraft and exploring our roots, so each episode will take you through our learnings of myths, magic and mystery in English and Scottish folklore. Tis said the soul of mortal man recoiled To view black Annis's eye so fierce and wild Vast talons foul with human flesh there grew In place of hands and features livid blue Glared in her visage While the obscene waste warm skins of human victims close embraced So, you might have guessed, this episode is about Black Annis. And that excerpt, which was beautifully quoted by Tatum, Thank you. is <laughs> from John Herrick's 1797 poem, Black Annis, which is actually one of the first written references to the monstrous persona she is known to have to this very day. So she is described as a blue-faced hag with yellow fangs and iron claws, which she used to carve herself a cave in Dane Hills, Leicestershire. And obviously we're very excited to look at a Leicester legend. Right, being Leicester legends ourselves. <laughs> Sorry. I don't think you can say that. <laughs> I paid my dues, okay, in Mosh Nightclub. That is very true. Thank yeah. you. Um, so different names she had were Black Anna, Black Annie, Agnes and Cat Anna. It's said that every evening she would leave her bower to hunt out children who have misbehaved. And also lambs. Don't forget the lambs. Also the lambs, which sadly quite random, just like the children and the lambs. <laughs> what are you more sad about? Because I love lambs. Wow, that's a very <laughs> vegan thing to say, to be honest. It's like, okay, I'm going to put animals before people. Anyway, sorry, that's a really dark uh, political Earthling conversation. Ed. Oh, God. <laughs> Shout out to Earthling Ed. I'm all about, like, the animals, obviously, but I do find that, you know, it's like, can we also actually care about human beings as well? Definitely. Yeah. So, anyway, um, so she would skin them like rabbits, hang them on a tree. Got to air out that loop. Then um, wear them around her waist. I might actually have the outfit at home. I think you have. Yeah. You, I mean, it's very important to use the skins of children to cinch in the waist. Yeah. Quite practical, really. Definitely. Can't find a belt. It's fine. I've got some children's skins hanging on my oak tree outside. Yeah, it's quite gruesome, isn't it? It's quite dark. One of the darker folk tales, for sure. You can really visualise it. Yeah. So even though we're from Leicester, I hadn't actually heard about black anise at all until i was lucky enough to work with a theater group and they'd asked us to bring in a folk story um, from our hometown and that's where i found black anise but then i also because i had this was about five years ago i then when i was watching the outsider which is stephen king's on hbo mm. everyone watched that because cynthia revo is an icon mm -hmm. <laughs> um they also mentioned black anise in there so it's just that's crazy. so cool how amazing like a folktale from leicester made it onto Represent. hbo right <laughs> so i just thought that was amazing but obviously when i did ask mum about black anise she said Oh, yes, I remember Black Annis. She used to sit in a tree sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and that is a real Leicester legend. Runner up on Come Dine With Me. Yeah. <laughs> Our mother. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, which is, obviously, I thought, oh, she's probably just making this up because, 
she's just like that but um she does sometimes just go oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. she's quite like floaty isn't she yeah. sometimes is a bit like in the clouds but so yeah so what was what, that was the legend that mum actually grew up learning about yeah or? definitely she's she was basically like oh I actually forgot about her but yeah I think she used to sit up in a tree sometimes which does make sense because actually at the entrance of her cave is an old oak tree which apparently part of an oak tree still remains to this day. I'm not sure, completely sure if that's true. I haven't personally visited. We should do that. <laughs> we get should that on the definitely list. do that. I mean, we would have probably done that had travelling been easier throughout these past few months. But yeah, there is a last remnant of the forest of her oak tree and apparently used to climb up the oak tree and she'd look across and she could just pounce on you, which also maybe came from the katana name as well so like pouncing from the tree um and she could shape shift into a cat as well she can't win can you (laughs) she's walking around west black anis living in leicester scary place so if mum was brought up knowing about her i feel like maybe it's died out over the last few years because it wasn't something that we living in leicester were really told about possibly i mean i guess because Obviously, folk tales are just told from generation to generation and some things do slip through the cracks. But now, obviously, we have the internet and we have a lot more places to research folk stories. Um, but it's something that I guess we'll tell our children. Exactly. Now we know. It yeah. is that though, isn't it? Because a lot of folklore, it is word of mouth and it is passing things down. So some families, if it isn't repeated, then it's lost within, you know, that group of people, that community or family. And then if it is passed down, then you can keep it alive. So I'm definitely going to... Oh, well, I don't know. It might be a bit creepy. I'm like, yeah, I'll definitely scare my kids with that one. <laughs> Cruel. Just buy a black cat. I mean, we'll have black cats anyway, Obviously. I'm sure. Probably won't even have kids. Just going to have cats anyway. So. <laughs> so many. Oh, gosh. I do like that she has managed to, you know, carve herself a cave out of her own fingers because that is, like, that's skills. And especially in this housing crisis. <laughs> might go get my nails done it's a good idea by this point in the housing crisis if we've just got to really do our thing like if that's the next way to go get your 25 pound acrylics from old kent road mm-hmm. and you carve yourself a cave she would be considered a legend like a legend meaning a person or a place that actually existed or it exists to this day it is said that cottages in leicestershire were built with one small window so Black Annis could not reach her long arms in and snatch the children. So it became such a, it was such a well-known legend that it was really shaping architecture. (laughs) (laughs) She was just an icon all round. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, that is, I mean, that's crazy, isn't it? That people would literally, in favour of having natural light, they would have a little tiny window just because people were so superstitious. Like, this was everything to them. I did read in Bob Trubshaw's study of Black Anis and her Baba, which is a really amazing study. It's helped us a lot in our research. Um, But he did state that the Black Anis legend, for example, would help to define a group, a folk group, comprising of people from Leicester. So this law would be shared by a group and rather than be retold in full, it would be alluded to or retold in fragments or as part of private jokes. Mm. <laughs> so, and even, um, he says, insults. So this would mean that Black Anis would shape a group of people who would basically all be in on the joke. Especially back then, I think now with the internet and there's a lot of crossovers and things are more accessible, there's a wider spread of things 
becoming a more well-known thing, even with Black Anis now. But back then it was, yeah, more in your communities or groups and your folk. Yeah, you'd only know the law of your particular place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A sort of the same way as language, very local language. Like when I moved to London, and I said Mardi, someone was like, what on earth does that mean? And I was like, I thought Mardi was in the dictionary, but you know, is that sort of, it's a mood, I guess moody is quite a close thing to it. But I didn't realize that that was like a Leicester slang. So maybe it's the same thing where they would talk about black anise, but it would be that sort of in joke or. Yeah, definitely. That is actually really interesting because he also says the language that's used in Leicester, things like, hey, up my duck. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's sure. interesting that you uh, came across that as well. Yeah. So where did she come from? There seems to be similarities in the representation of various legends. And it has been suggested that Annis is linked to various goddesses like the Celtic goddess Anu and the Hindu deity Kali. I mean, I'm a big fan of Kali. I've always loved her and been really drawn to her. And learning about Black Annis, it's like, oh yeah, okay. Carly also has blue skin. She hangs out in cremation grounds. She holds a severed head. She has a garland of decapitated heads, a girdle of severed arms. And, you know, you can see that with Black Anis where she's got the human skins like around her waist as a belt. And they've both got the gaunt eyes. I mean, from what I've seen though with Carly, She's also seen in some positive ways as well because she is the goddess of creation and preservation as well as destruction. But from Black Anis... She's the... not got many redeeming qualities. No, not so much. <laughs> that's a real shame, actually. That is. But that's something that maybe we could, you know, recreate, like yeah. retell. Like why, why did Black Anis get to the point where she felt like she had to pounce? <laughs> <laughs> Back to the slutty cat. <laughs> so. Which is actually interesting that you say that because there's also a really early written reference of Black Anis in 1622, which is in the description of Leicestershire by William Burton. But here she is named Black Agnes, um, although she didn't have the terrifying form she does in the opening poem that Tatum quoted by Herrick. Um, but she was described as a hermit or like an anchorite. It's just interesting that that may have developed into this monstrous form that she is today just because a woman wanted to live by herself and devote herself to God. I'd happily live in a cave and do Wiccan spells all day. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> but they don't like that, do they? Like, a woman being independent? No. Yeah, it's always You're that evil. person's a witch in the woods. Mm. It's just always always the way it goes so it was likely came from the story of agnes scott who was a dominican nun and she was the one that lived as an anchorite she wore a long black habit of her order um, and she died in 1455 but she still has a plaque in her memory in swithland's church went on a hike in swithland's wood recently nice. very nice so there is a translation um that agnes was supposed to have lived in a cave near the dane hills and ran a leper colony so that would be, you know, a a place where people with leprosy would have to isolate close to these times as well. <laughs> like you said, it's like, how would someone, uh, like a real person, develop into such a monstrous character? 
But women's lives came into folklore a lot more from the 15th century. That's when like women were written about and also clearly demonised into witches and yeah. Because they can't bear us being able to exist without men, I think. Yeah. So a lot of these representations are when a woman is being independent or is able to use her, you know, is, is empowered mm-hmm. on her own without a man, you know, um, without her need for a man. So that's why they're demonized rather than celebrated. Definitely, but people would go to these women, these healers, you know, men would go or like, it's so it's just, it's very interesting that women were so demonized when they were actually just helping people. And especially a woman living alone, like you said, like people just can't fathom that they're fine without a man, but actually, doing great (laughs) yeah doing thriving thriving yeah is the word it is just i mean the standard story of women living alone keeping themselves to themselves they're considered dangerous and witches there were then various mentions of her throughout the years including a play in 1837 at leicester theater now called the curve no joking (laughs) allegedly the play was called black anna's bower or the maniac of the dane hills so she's really developed into this, you know, monstrous character, obviously from the poem and then these plays. But at this point, her cave had been filling up with dirt. But then there was said to be a tunnel that would connect her bower to Leicester Castle. So this tunnel, and she could apparently like just come and go as she pleased. And she'd get there very quickly because Dane Hills is not actually that close to the centre of Leicester, but she could apparently make it there in seconds. That's why she was such a terrifying figure. So did they leave the space open so she could come and go? Or So basically from the inside of the cave, the back entrance, there would have been a tunnel there. So she, no one can see the tunnel oh. because everything was uh, obviously filling up with dirt. And I think actually at this point they'd started building a council estate on this, but then the, the tree was still there, the oak tree. Because I did read something that said the oak tree was still, like the stump of the oak tree is still there to this day, but obviously I wasn't completely sure if that was true, which we'll have to go investigate ourselves. So there was, st- like they kept the story alive by saying that she could go to Leicester Castle. Mm. So that is quite terrifying because, yeah. you know, she can make it, like from if you can get in the centre of Leicester, I mean... We've all been there. Waiting for those five buses to get home in Leicester. I wish I was Black <laughs> Texting your friend, like, meet me at the clock tower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had a tunnel to get through. That would have been so nice. Quick time. So, yeah, she could just come and go as she pleased. There's some well-known traditions, then, that are linked to Black Anna. This is likely where her name developed from Black Anna to Annis. A mock hair hunt would take place on Easter Monday... Um, And I think they didn't use hares because people were very superstitious and hares had a lot of connections to witchcraft and, you know, people back then, they just didn't want to take any chances. Um, They would use a dead cat instead. Poor cat. I don't know what's worse, (laughs) I know. Instead of a hare. The cat would be drenched in aniseed and then dragged, like, in a parade style from from Black Anise's bower in the Dane Hills through the streets of Leicester and then arriving at the mayor's door. So I guess Aniseed, Anis, Cat Anna. I think we got it, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. This tradition died out around 1767, but also paved way for a Dane Hills Fair, which took place once a year. And this would keep many of the amusements. So I'm not sure if that means, because there's obviously not a lot of written references to this fair, but I'm thinking maybe that is potentially more 
cat murders and soaking in Alice. Yeah, not nice. But it would be celebrated by the working classes and the young um, up until about 1842. Thinking of aniseed, then I thought of Sambuca. Oh my gosh, I I actually can't drink Sambuca. Oh god. Any of that stuff is just an absolute no for me. But I did have absinthe. I went to that absinthe bar and had that. I think it's one of those things that you either love it or hate it yeah i like absinthe like in a cocktail yes yeah that's nice because um, i did the proper absinthe where it's pure and then you you put a sugar cube on top and then you slowly drip water through it so then it's really intense yeah. aniseed flavor and obviously like a really high percentage so i had and i'm a lightweight i had a little bit i was like oh okay i should probably not have more of that but i think in a cocktail one bit. shot of absinthe and tatum's pouncing from the trees i'm yeah. Anna. <laughs> Unfortunately, I never land on my feet. (laughs) There is even a tradition that lives on in Leicester today, which goes back over 1,000 years, which is the hair pie scramble and bottle kicking, which takes place in Hallerton on Easter Monday. So the hair would relate back to the mock hair hunt that they were doing on Easter Monday, the one that they dragged the dead cat. And that is obviously, I mean, there's no proven evidence that that is related, but I mean, it's Easter Monday and they've got the mock hair hunt Mm. and now they've got the hair pie scramble and the bottle kicking, which obviously, like you said, still takes place to this day. It's actually only been cancelled twice throughout that time. Once in 2001 due to foot and mouth and... You guessed it, 2020. (laughs) Um, So a giant hair pie is baked with a supposed secret recipe. Uh, The hair pie is then blessed by the vicar and thrown out into pieces for the crowd to scramble for. So very messy. (laughs) Um, And there's actually two villages, it's Hallerton and the nearby Medbourne. They fight over three small beer barrels, kegs. um, And the first team to get the keg to their village boundary, they win. I think then they all share the beer and it's a really fun celebration. The church tried to cancel the event in 1790 because of its pagan origins. Obviously, we've heard that before. But the next day, graffiti appeared on the vicarage wall stating, no pie, no parson. (laughs) Yeah. So the church couldn't stamp it out. So they embraced the tradition, like with most pagan origins. It's quite a good lesson that it's like if you, if your traditions are trying to be suppressed or stamped on, actually do stay um, strong. Stay strong, protest it in whichever way. Unless some traditions, like let's let them die out. Um, There was like up north, I went to visit some family and they were doing a black pudding no, a Yorkshire pudding tradition and like throwing black pudding at Yorkshires and trying to knock them down. Some of these traditions that are just wasting food feel a bit uncomfortable. So some traditions it's like, yeah, maybe we can either let it die out or change the actual thing that you are, you know, trying to knock down. It doesn't have to be food, it's quite wasteful. But some traditions it's like they want to suppress them out because of pagan roots or things that they don't want to celebrate. And it's like, no, we're going to push back against that. And um, you can do that through protest and activism. Definitely. And look, it worked for them. Here we are a thousand years later. Yeah. (laughs) There is also an all women's Morris dancing group and they're called Black Anis. They meet at the original site of her bower to dance the Cotswold Morris um, on Midsummer. Mm. So that is, yeah, very, I haven't personally seen them myself, but do you love a bit of Morris dancing? 
actually our mum loves Morris dancing too much. So she loves it. She loves, she's obsessed with it. Like she always just sometimes she'll just scream Morris dancing. Yeah, she actually does, doesn't she? Yeah. yeah. Join a group, girl. So I guess a reason she was kept alive so long was, you know, that she was such a scary figure. And then people saw her, you know, you've got um, Boogeyman, which is everyone knows. I'm pretty sure everybody knows what that is. And she counts as one of those, comes under the title of a Boogeyman figure, right? It's a type of mythical creature used by adults to scare children into good behaviour. Thanks for the trauma. Yeah, it's a bit like, can you use something a bit nicer? Yeah. It's quite, it seems like it's about like, you know, building respect um, to, you know, that's when they would want to like be good. Yeah, (laughs) because it was all that sort of monster under the bed, mm-hmm. uh, boogeyman coming through your window. And many cultures actually used it as a way to control children and also to keep them safe. Like on Halloween, they were told that there was a boogeyman on every corner of the street, I think, to scare them from going off and trick-or-treating yeah. for like hours or, you know, it would kind of contain them a bit more. It's difficult to trace the exact origin of the boogeyman as every culture has their own twist. So basically it's universal to the folklore of most countries. So every country has its own. The most famous ones will be like El Cuco in like Hispanic countries. And we've got quite a few actually, but every country has its own boogeyman. And the first reference would be the hobgoblins in England in the 1500s. However, it is likely that the boogeyman went back a lot further it's always that thing isn't it it's like you see something in writing and it's been recorded but it's likely that it went back further i like hobgoblins i like goblins i do as well do you know which one which goblins are quite traumatizing there was two in noddy make way for noddy yeah I remember um, them. Yeah, I mean, Noddy was... Well, I think our dad used to put Noddy on all the time and probably he used to enjoy it. That's probably likely because he was probably on acid or something. 100%. <laughs> he was on acid any time we saw him, unfortunately. <laughs> so, yeah, that makes sense. But, yeah, I remember getting traumatised by these um, goblins. Maybe if I looked at them now, maybe I should face my fears. But rem- And also, my friend posted on her story the other day, who remembers this book, and it was The Flat Man by Rose M.P. Yeah, And that I flat man that. coming through the window with his... Oh, It was so creepy. Yeah, yeah. So creepy. But it's like, why... Uh, I think mum used to read that to us, right? Yeah. And it would really stick with me, and I'd be just be staring at the window. Yeah, because it was something like, a tap, tap, tap. Yeah. ASMR. <laughs> yeah, tap. The flat it. man's going to get you. tapping at the window and then it could come it was like this big shadow and then it would make itself himself really thin and then put his fingers yeah like through the tiny cracks in the window and come into the room like it was quite scary and because the book had illustrations with it it was quite yeah it was quite a lot yeah and when I looked at him the other day I didn't laugh I didn't think he was funny I still thought he was quite scary Mm. and that's me who you know watches horror every day yeah yeah it is weird isn't it like growing up and watching things like little monsters and do you remember that film as well monsters under the bed and I guess there's parts of it that's really great it's just when you go oh I was uh four when I watched that um cool I mean that is yeah that's the thing because a boogeyman can be you know anything from like a tree tapping at the window to you know a scary monster under the bed or coming up the toilet like anything it is it is quite scary you know which boogeyman I do like though the one from A Nightmare Before Christmas oh absolute how's that song go 
you're joking, you're joking. There's no how's it go again? Put it on. We've got no rights for this, but <laughs> Tatum, if it's a cover. Wait, let's fast forward. Uh... There we go. You're joking. <laughs> fast forward for rights reasons. Ooh. Ooh. Yes. Absolute iconic Love. piece of music. Maybe we should do a cover of that. Yeah, shall we? Please comment like if you want us to do a cover of that and we would get it out in time for you all. You really love trying to get this uh, audience interaction, don't you? I'm here for it. So really let us know. Please really comment. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're getting two views. No joking. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah, we're just forcing people to listen to this podcast. And just keep adding Tony. Into- <laughs> so we're talking about goblins, weren't we? Yeah, hobgoblins. There's quite a lot of hobgoblins around though, isn't there? There's like hobgoblin. I can't say hobgoblin. One, one, two, one, one, two, three, two. It is a mouth, mouth. Oh my it's gosh. A, it is a mouthful. Yeah, hobgoblin. There's a nice pub in New Cross called the Hobgoblin. Yes. Yeah. And then well, there's... it's a beer. It's a oh, beer brand. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And there's also a folk music shop in Canterbury and in, I think, I think it's in Central in Covent Garden. Hobgoblin music. They're supposed to be like cute little merry things but there's also many tales of evil ones mm. same thing with fairies you've got your ring got your nice fairies you got your mean fairies <laughs> yeah and also you got the uh obviously the goblins in harry potter <laughs> tough oh yeah i mean you know what we can look back at harry potter and enjoy what it gave us but also not buy any more books because she's a tough sorry i bought it up so obviously we wanted to delve into a lot of English and Scottish folklore and another theory in the UK was that the boogeyman may have come from like a buggy man sort of monster and during the Black Plague the men responsible for actually picking up the dead bodies would obviously often be really sick themselves and thin with sunken in eyes like a buggy man and obviously with their job being so linked to death um, and a terrifying fear at that time does actually make sense although there are many theories of origin so it's obviously going to be different because it's such a universal character well it's been really nice discovering more about black anis and how far she goes back and seeing that today she's actually quite popular definitely when i was researching her further um, there's even a pre-workout, you know, you know, some of that pre-workout that you shake it and drink it and it makes you work out really well. <laughs> that, to me, that just sounds like absolute <laughs> bullshit, I any think... of those things. But yeah, okay. So, or like a mixture. Like yeah, a gym. so like a protein shake, but you drink it before the gym and it gives you energy and they have branded it Black Anise. So you can buy pre-workout called Black Anise. And there's also- Capitalism! <laughs> Um, look, if that's going to get me to work out in 2020, then maybe I'll give it a go. Fair. If if they want to send us some. <laughs> <laughs> and there's also makeup tutorials on YouTube. Black Anis makeup look, Halloween looks, hashtags. She's gone far. Mm. She's an icon. It's like really interesting to see that she actually is in pop culture and YouTubers are... Catching YouTubers on. Are... That blue face. Right. Can't contour with that. <laughs> I'm going to keep learning about her and keep the legend alive i'll keep learning about her to be honest obviously we tried to cover as much as we could but there's so many stories and different origins and so many interesting things about her so if you are interested then definitely give her a read yeah it's been a nice introduction to her and something that we can really feel connected to because we are from leicester so we hope you've enjoyed this episode as well and 
you don't have any scary boogeymen under your bed. I definitely don't watch Noddy unless you're on acid. And don't do that either. No, we don't, we're not promoting that you do that. <laughs> but I think. What do they, is it, is it okay these days? I don't know. Um, psilocybin's really good for you. Or is that mushrooms? Anyway, guys, I'm going to stop talking about drugs now. <laughs> you can check our show notes for where we resourced some of this information definitely we particularly um would like to thank university of leicester because um they had the studies on there by bob trubshaw and another few that we did look at so we will link them below thank you for joining honey in the hex subscribe on whichever platform you get your podcasts on connect with us on instagram at honey in the hex it's a joy to grow our coven and we're always open to hear what you would like us to cover on the podcast see you next time <laughs>